Hi, you're listening to episode 43 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chipper. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Thursday, February 27th, 2020. Woohoo! Look at that, two episodes in one month. I know, we're so good. We're so, good <laughs> so we have kind of a very big show, so we're just not going to do, because we have a lot to talk about, because February turns out everything, everything. Yes! Yes. Um, so very briefly, just like one piece of news, just because I'm a huge dork and super excited about this, is that there is a new, they're, they're doing, they're adapting one of my absolute favorite, 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 favorite books of all time into a TV show, which is Octavia Butler's Dawn, which I hope will also include the two sequels, uh, Adulthood Rights and Imago. And it's Ava DuVernay and Vic Mahoney who are doing it. And it's, I, like, the only part I'm bummed about is that it's Amazon. But other than that, like, it's so good. Okay, so did, did we, like, has this project had already been announced? It had been announced that it had been optioned. Okay, okay, but the but now the it's tied... attached talent and stuff exactly. like that. Okay, so that's the new announcement. Because I remember... The... I think we talked about this on the podcast when it was optioned. Probably, but now it's moving forward, and well, I can't wait just to just talked see. about it on Gchat one or the other. I mean, <laughs> our podcast is basically just an extension. If you're wondering what Preeti and I are like, like in our friendship, it's basically this podcast, but in typing form. So. Very true, which will be evident when eventually we get to the Picard episodes. But first, we're going to actually, we're going to start with, you know, this was a big month, like we said, so there was... Star Trek and Star Wars, which is their, yeah. our, like, twin fandoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And both coming out with new content. And so we haven't talked about the new season of Clone Wars yet. Like, no. last last episode we talked about some of our favorite arcs. Mm-hmm. So the first two episodes have dropped. Yes. Feelings. Um, well, the first two episodes will have dropped, I think, by the time this show's going live. Yes. Because... Um, uh, because I think they released on Friday mornings. But um, I, because Ahsoka, like, Breathe and I have talked about this already. Because Ahsoka is my favorite character, um, I was hoping for Ahsoka, front-loaded Ahsoka content, and, like, it's, cor- it's like, of course, Dave Filoni. The first episode you give us is a Clones episode. <sighs> we have ten episodes of this show, and the first episode is just a Clones episode, which I think what the Clone Wars did for the Clones, giving them personalities and motivations and thoughts and turning them to these really three-dimensional characters that you love is amazing and I think this episode it was a really good clones episode but given that that like I don't want to be like oh it sucked I hated it it's been six years but I wanted more for that first episode I wish it had been a little less underwhelming in that respect because I think I basically think um, whenever Ahsoka shows up later on, uh, everyone, that's, like, I don't feel like a lot of people have been talking about the return of Clone Wars because it's just like, oh, it was a good episode. Like, I think that's what it, it was a good episode. The first episode was a good episode. It was fine. Um, And I think that I I wish the episode, I think they're just, I basically think they're saving the really big stuff for later in the season. And I don't know, I mean, it's, Disney and it's Star Wars. They don't need my advice on how to do things. <laughs> like, clearly they're fine. But, you know, like, I would have loved the first episode of the seventh season, or the final season, to be such a bang that it pulled a bunch of people into watching the entire series for the first time. And I don't feel like this episode was that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it was, I was, so we got, we got screeners for this, which mm-hmm. I was very thankful for because we were able to watch episodes one and two back to back, which was very helpful because I feel like if I had just watched the first episode, I've been really frustrated by yeah. we're, you know, six years waiting for this season. Like, uh, and, and I actually, I feel like this is not even the standard response to this because I know a lot of people who really, really loved that first episode, but they are, of course, all huge Clone Wars fans because I agree to your point that I think this is a stumbling block for if you came into it without knowing anything. Like, I love yeah. Rex as a character so much, and I love yeah. this idea of him, the the kind of conflict that was seeded throughout the series that led to, you know, the what, what happened in, in the movie. 
but the conflict that was seated that we got to see on screen for the clones, which was that they, you know, Rex, I think, truly loves his his peers within the Jedi with Obi-Wan and Anakin, and you yeah. see some of that in the second episode. So to in- introduce all these new clones right. with the and Bad Batch... <laughs> And I think the theme was really good, like, the loyalty within the clones. Sure. And, like, the loyalty to, like, it was Echo, right? That yeah. was um, yes. kind of the focus. And it, the, that loyalty is incredible, especially given that these are clones. They're, like, faceless. Like, you know, they're supposed to be, like, these faceless. Right. And they're not. And I think that's super important. Totally. But I agree. Like, there's ten episodes and you're introducing new clones. Like, why? <laughs> it just felt like such, like, a... I, 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 like, why? I get it. I get it. But... I, I, I loved I loved at least in the second episode that we got to see some of what I wanted, which was Anakin and Obi-Wan and their dynamic. And I have questions. A ab- lot of questions. About, so Anakin, Rex kind of stands guard while Anakin has this conversation with Padme about. It's visibly pregnant Padme. How yes. did he not pick up on that? I know. It's I so, know. We know how he doesn't pick up on that because it's Anakin. But she is visibly she's pregnant. She's definitely pregnant. And they have this conversation, and Rex is kind of standing guard outside, and Obi-Wan comes up. And so Rex clearly knows something is happening because he yeah. understands that it's something that he should not tell Obi-Wan, that he should keep yeah. a secret for Anakin. And, and so, Obi-Wan also... Yes, Obi-Wan also knows something's happening because yes. he knows who Anakin's talking to, right. which is super interesting. And that's a thing like the first ink, I, I believe that the first inkling we get that Anakin, that Obi-Wan knows that there's something going on between Padme and Anakin is when he says it's Anakin's, isn't it? To Padme about yep. baby. <laughs> so, so, so. This is, I think this is going to lead to some, I mean, we don't know how much Padme is in this season, but I am excited to, because one of my biggest issues with Revenge of the Sith is just how they do Padme so dirty in that movie. She goes from this, like, very strong kind of necessary character, and when I say necessary, I mean, like, literally plot-wise, like, she as a character has agency in her decisions and all of these things, to Revenge of the Sith, where she's sidelined as this weird, weeping damsel slash, like, nothing, she's not really there to do anything but move, like, Anakin's angst along, which is really frustrating. So I'm hoping that this, you know, we see a glimpse of it in the second episode, and I want to see more of that, for sure. And I think it's especially interesting that, given that this is the seventh season, and the timelines in Clone Wars have always been very muddled, Stuff does not air in chronological order. But this is coming not too long after she told Anakin they needed a break. Yes. So, right? Because, like, in the... I believe in the final season of The Clone Wars, they get into it and... Not the Lost Missions, but before that. In this... The fifth in, season. In the fifth season, yeah. Um, she says that they need a break. And I think that it's very interesting. Because, like, just timelines in the show are so muddled. So it seems like, you know, they're they're fine. They've reconciled. It's all that. But, like, it's also, you see the cracks in this marriage mm-hmm. before Revenge of the Sith. Yes. And I'm trying to find, because we were, while we were watching these episodes, we were texting... And a lot of that texting was actually about timeline and yeah. where this sits and and kind of how this fits into the overall narrative. Because Clone Wars originally sat in a very comfortable spot, which was close enough to Attack of the Clones and far enough away from Revenge of the Sith that we got to really see the journey of these characters in a way yes. that you don't when you're just watching the movies back to back. This series from what we could glean kind of sits very very close to revenge of the sith and i think i talked about this but i do think it's going to overlap at some point yeah and i believe dave filoni didn't comment which means it's going to (laughs) i feel like if it's a no he usually will be like no and then if he's just like yeah i'm not going to talk about that it's like okay okay we see we see where this is going. Uh, yeah, I like. I'm so curious because it's. It feels like obviously it's going to be heavily clone centric, 
I think we can kind of assume at least several of the episodes. It's only 10 episodes. Yeah. Two of them, and at least I think the next one, because of the way the second episode ended with them finding this, like, really heartbreaking version of Echo who had been used by the Separatists to kind of figure out how the clones work. Uh, Like, we're going to get at least one more episode in that arc. Yeah. But it, like, the heaviness of the clone-centric is going to make it, I agree with you, like, the potential for overlap is there. It's in the kind of emotional impact of what it means for these clones that we've watched build this partnership with the Jedi break down. And we know, we see in Order 66 from a few points of view, Mm -hmm. you know, the Jedi that you see, you know, killed and Anakin. And we've seen it from this, we've never seen it from Ahsoka's point of view. No. And we know. Oh my God. And we know. I'm not ready. (laughs) I know. And we know um, that basically, I think it's, isn't it Rex who basically refuses to carry out the order? Yeah, I mean, so for for us, we from s- from the book, we know it from the from the uh, E.K. Johnston's Ahsoka and yeah. from Rebels, the TV show. Right. I was gonna say like when we a certain contingent of clones meet yeah. Rex and Wolf, and I, I can't remember the last clone um, in Rebels again. They had deserted essentially rather than engage with that order. Like, and I believe at the the. Um, Kate's, uh, E.K. Johnston's book starts out with basically Ahsoka and Rex, if I remember, it's been a while, Ahsoka and Rex, like, burying her lightsabers and pretending like he killed her. Yeah, and then she goes on the run. Yeah. Because they have that whole, there's that whole Clone Wars arc where they figure out that there's that thing inside of them, that chip. The lost, isn't the lost missions, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's fives, and they all have this, like, they figure it out, and... I'm remembering correctly, they cut it out of their heads, right? Like, like there's, there's like, a contingent of them that do it, and Rex is one of them. So I think it's going to be really hard to watch, especially yeah. that we're going to see. It's the combination of Anakin's slow descent into becoming who he is in Revenge of the Sith and the clones having to... Um, to betray the Jedi and watching yeah. their fellow clones do it when they've decided not to. It's going to be hard. And we've always known that there was more, that Anakin and Ahsoka got more than their kind of tragic last yes. meeting, which was her leaving the Order. Oh my god, I've We knew that, right. W- w- you, in your head, you're always like, oh, but you know they worked together because she, they worked together on Mandalore, they worked together. So we're, gonna, we're probably going to see that. Like, their last meeting before his fall. And that's going to be hard. Like, we're definitely going to... Because we see her... In the trailer, there's that scene where she's like, Hello, Master. Like, I'm not... Because... So there's... We're going to actually... We're going to see it. We're going to see... Although she thinks... We're going to see when she thinks he's dead. Yeah. We're not going to see her think... Realize he's fallen. Because that happens in Rebels in an incredible, incredible, like... Season two, I believe, the end of season two is that fight. The reveal that yeah. she finds, she figures out he's Darth Vader. Like, so we're going to see I want to rewatch three. Rebels so badly. It's funny because this is all making me want to rewatch Rebels, not Clone Wars. <laughs> well, because so much of the, it's, it's so Ahsoka, right? Like, Ahsoka in, oh, Ahsoka has incredible arc in Clone Wars. Yeah. But the end of that arc is so heartbreaking and hard to swallow and it's a necessity but it is hard to swallow and her arc in rebels on the other hand for the first few seasons and then the last season is just excellent it's like basically she's in season two and season four yeah and like kind of the last few episodes of season four like her big arc is season two and then we get a little bit of her at the end of season four yeah and it's just so good it's just that character is i think barring like any of the Skywalkers, the best character in the Star Wars universe. And not even in any of the movies! I love her. Uh, Yeah, so there's a lot to come. I think if you... Like, if you are new to Clone Wars and, like, kind of watch parts of the series on our recommendation um, and then are kind of not thrilled about these first couple of episodes, I would say wait, um... 
and when you hear about Ahsoka returning to him, because that's going to be good. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. Because I think also Dave Filoni has a real clear understanding of he does. the world and of the characters, especially the characters that he, you know, I have to create. I think Dave Filoni's understanding of the world and the, the narrative ways to tell stories in this world is almost unparalleled. I agree. He and should be doing he, all I of trust, it. I trust him. Agreed. Um, and so it's kind of... I didn't love these first two episodes, but I guess it does. No, I I really like the second one. The first one, I was like, uh, but I don't think it matters. Exactly. Because I know at the end, it'll be good. It's in service of something bigger. Like, even the episodes that are, you know, what some of us might believe to be weaker are always in service of great storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so it, like you said, it doesn't matter because Filoni has such a great, yeah. relationship to the to to Star Wars, to the franchise and to understanding the potential of what it could be in a really great way. Yeah, I agree. Ah, okay, more to, more to come. We'll more we'll coming. be back. Yeah, we'll do another update probably, I would guess after Ahsoka's first episode. Yeah, maybe like midway through the season, so around 5 or 6 somewhere around. Yeah, there. which would make sense because if we are going to update again with the end of Picard, we'll probably just do like an end of Picard Clone Wars update episode. Uh so speaking of which, we Let's can Let's talk about Picard. We can move on to Picard. Yay! Okay. Um, so we did a, we did a episode after the first three episodes. We did yes. a, we did a podcast episode after the first opening arc, right? Yes. So now we have episodes four, five, and six to talk about. Yes. Which is kind of, I don't know, man, a lot has happened. There's a lot <gasps> of, it's I, a, this <sighs> show's moving very quickly. It really is. And, and this is another one where it's only 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. So they've got a lot of story. I mean, you know, Clone Wars are 22 up. Ep- 22 minutes these are anywhere from 45 to 55 minutes it feels like yes ah there's a lot they focus a lot they do the i think one of the most amazing things about the show is how they're balancing story character and just like information mm-hmm. like filling in enough blanks for new viewers to be like okay i can go along with this even if i recognize i don't have all the context while not boring people who know this who know everything you know it's sort of like it's sort of like when you're reading a new comic series and you know you you hop into like amazing spider-man number 572 you don't really know what's going on but if it's the beginning of an arc it, it like an arc it's fine because those little editorial notes will tell you the information you might need yes won't go in depth like that's how i feel about picard like it's fine that i don't understand everything like all the references or like whatever I'm enjoying the story as it exists enough that I want to keep watching and it's I think the beautiful thing about it is how hard that is to do on screen versus in print yeah I agree it's really hard to do that when you don't have a place where you can just be like here read this like you know little box if you don't you know like it's it's hard and they're doing it really well and I'm so impressed with the storytelling uh so Let's let's kind of talk about what's going on. So I I watched episodes five and six last night, and it's been a few weeks since I watched episode four. I will admit, four and five kind of go together because it's the hunt for Bruce Maddox. Right, 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 right. And then six is the kind of the board cube. Okay, so I think the biggest thing to talk about is Allison Pill's character, Doctor Gerardi. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So- okay. So. <laughs> So at the end of episode six, it, or episode five, basically it reveals that she's a double agent. Which I had sort of suspected, mm-hmm. like when, because you don't see the end of her conversation with the Romulans. Yeah, with, with, with Commodore O. Which I don't think she knows that Commodore O is a Romulan. I don't agent? know if Commodore O is a Romulan anymore. A, so a I have, Romulan I have, agent. Yeah, so at, here's at the, the thing. Least. My question is... The Romulans are after something specific. They're yes. after the location of uh, Dodge and Soji's homeworld, which would be where they were created, which presumably if there are more of them. So why would you kill Bruce Maddox, who's the only person who could tell you that? Right. I. So. And so I'm like wondering, like there are multiple, like, I mean, it makes, and this show makes clear, there are multiple levels of people working against one another. Like mm-hmm. clearly Doc Commodore O is working with the Romulans 
on unsanctioned projects. But how deep does that go? And does she have her own agenda in terms of what she wants? Like she's trying to get at these synths clearly, but I don't know that her, now I'm wondering, is she really a Romulan? Is she a Romulan agent or is her, is she using the Romulans and is her end different than theirs? Because it's clear like Narek and his like creepy sister's end goal. Yeah. Was to, um, like get that homeworld location, but why would you kill? Bru- why would Pills Gerardi's uh, orders then? Like it just well, there's well, a lot going. I, it felt weird because the orders. I I don't. It it almost felt religious the way she killed him. Right, like she was like, I have something to atone for. I wish I didn't know. She contributed something to this project so that we I don't know think, what it is. I think she knows uh, the secret, like whatever the secret is about this. The Zadvash, you remember in um, my favorite Romulan Laris was like it's a it's a secret about like artificial intelligence that will like break your mind or whatever. I think whatever that is or some form of it, Commodore O showed her showed Doctor Gerardi like basically showed her something like data or video or something, and like she was like you have to kill Bruce Maddox. I think, or if she's a Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I think that she was, showed her something that, because he said we couldn't have done it without your contribution. Like, we couldn't have done this, right? And I think that she didn't even realize the scope of whatever it was she contributed. She didn't know what the scope of that oh, no. was. So that's actually right? addressed in the prequel book, which I read. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker. Never the mind. Uh, the entire thing... <laughs> Uh, and because Bruce Maddox is absolute, we always knew Bruce Maddox was trash, and he shows the 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 level of his trash. It was her idea. Oh. Fractal neuronic cloning. She was the one who brought it to him and was like, "Have you ever thought of the potential of a single positronic neuron?" It was her idea. He oh. ran with it, but it was originally her idea. So then she was clearly shown something that was a direct result of what she believes she exactly. came up with. I think that and it. has to it. Quote, atone, atone for, for it. it and the only way to do that is to destroy the knowledge right but then if the the, the romulans and the romulans seem to want and may okay and so maybe it is that they're working both angles they know they have soji and can get the um location of the home world from her so they're like okay just kill bruce maddox and all his knowledge dies with him maybe it's like maybe she is working with them and it's like it's kind of a two-pronged attack i don't know there's 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 more going on. There's like more going on here though than I don't know. There's something going on there that is, we don't know and about. It's it's hard. It's my like my kryptonite that I just it's like storytelling that kills me is when we the audience know something about a character and all the other characters are just like going on their merry way, like not knowing. So every time like Picard talks to her or like you know, yeah. Rios makes out with her. How dare you killed a man? And then you get to make out with Santiago Cabrera. How dare? I mean, Maddox was trash. Fine. Just but still. Trash. Still. Yes, um, I agree. It's so frustrating to watch when you're like, oh my God, no. Like, just, uh, she's doing these things and you need to figure it out. Because now from my perspective, we've got her kind of on the inside with the, the our band yeah. of rogues. And then you have Narek, who I know, like, did this horrible, stupid, shitty thing, but was so heartbroken that I still feel like he's going to turn. And I'm not giving him, like, credit or no, anything. No, I don't think you need to give him. I don't think you need to. But also, like, he gave her his true name before yes, he tried exactly. to her, Which means he does love her. His right. mission just comes first. So I feel And like... I'm, not, I'm not making any excuses no, for that. No, not at all. But I'm just saying he's not an irredeemable character. And I feel the same way about uh, Gerardi. I feel like the two of them kind of are two sides of the same coin in their respective organizations right now, where they're both sort of, like, respect, uh, like, wavering. Like, Gerardi actually killed someone. Like, yes. she's more irredeemable than him. Like, I mean, I'm sure Narek has killed, like, a, a lot of people. people. He's Romulan agent. Like, he's killed a lot of people. But what we've seen <laughs> on screen... I just feel like the two of them are, like, paralleling right now in a really nice way in terms of the narrative where we're going to see what happens. Because I wonder if Elnor and Narek are going to team up. Elnor! Oh, my boy. 
Okay, let's talk about Elnor because I was really, I like Elnor a lot. I really love his character, and I was super confused about that character decision at the end of episode, end of the episode, um, like why he left behind. Basically, because I don't feel like they've done anything with him yet. Same. I was like, there's no way this character is dead because we've gotten nothing. Yeah, we've had. I do. I think maybe they team up because, like, I don't know, like, how oh my to God, also, I'd how be does, so excited. How does Hugh get out of this? Like, yes, he's the director <laughs> of the Borg Reclamation Project, which is an independent entity from the Romulans. So he's not technically subject to their control, but they control the cube. So, right. like, they can make his life really miserable. And, like, Elnor's clearly, like, already killed three of them and will be killing more of them. If Because I cannot imagine a world in which... They kill him off in this episode after giving us, like, maybe no minutes I, of screen time. I highly doubt. Like, he's had, like, I feel like he's had, like, ten lines. I love him. I want more. I yeah, love how, so, like, awkward he is. Ugh. An earnest. An like, earnest. my earnest elf Romulan. I love him. Um, yeah, so I do think, I do think we'll see more of Elnor. I hope we'll see more of Hugh, but his arc feels not done, but... He served it's, his purpose. It served its purpose. And oh my god, the reunion between Hugh and John Luke, like, was... I just said John Luke, by the way. Let's... I, I heard. At least it's... I, I cannot stand the JL. It kills oh, me. Oh, yeah. Every time Rafi says it, I'm like, just say John Luke. Um, but the reunion was... It's something I and a lot of people have been waiting for ever since uh, Jonathan DeLarco was announced as having returned. And it's like, what, I feel like it's one of the few reunions that actually, like it lives up to what you want it to be. Like, the just mm-hmm. joy in Hugh's voice when he's like, I'll give you any, like, I'll help you in any way I can. Like, I'm so happy to see you. And then, like, the, like, delighted, like, almost giggle that Jean-Luc gives. Because he's just like, finally, someone's happy to see me. Like. <laughs> and well, then the hug, like, it was so good. And also then the way Patrick Stewart walks through that cube kind of hunched oh, over and so makes himself so small and you can kind of like see the ptsd like so good so good and it's some of the best such great character work in the way hugh kind of leads him through it and understands exactly what he's going through and is like never condescending or pitying about it but like just kind of supports him but is also like you need to see what we're doing here like i know this is hard for you to be back here but but i'm not going to just you know you need to see what we're doing here because you're one of us and you need to support us. And I think that's good. And I think he should like, that's a part of his past that Jean-Luc has tried to erase and maybe advocating for this group would be a good thing. Yeah. It was kind of nice because he was so angry. Like he was so angry about the Borg and so like furious and obviously like emotional about it, that it was really, even though I don't have that backstory, like I don't, I, like, kind of vaguely remember something about it, but I don't really know. Um, it was still cathartic to see that transition. You from... just see, like, the anger and the fear, like, when he realizes what they're doing, you see it, like, drain out exactly. of him. And he's just like, oh, my God, you're doing something amazing here. Yeah, it was nice. It was good to see. Um, I did, we kind of, because because the sixth episode was so, like, tense and and had so much movement, we kind of skipped over uh, Seven of Nines a little Seven bit. Seven of Nine, yeah, she is really good. Like, I Jerry Ryan's amazing. She's so good. That episode was so fun and so like kind of surprised. Like the costumes. I was, oh, the costumes! Yes, I so love good. a good camp costume episode. Yes. Ooh, feather in the cap, the eye patch. Like it was just all it of was it. Excellent. 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 Over the top. It didn't feel, even though Picard is kind of positioning itself as this quality prestige drama set in the Trek universe like it didn't feel weird to have this kind of funniness and and classic Star Trek caper and I think they needed it like you don't want I don't we nobody wants a grim dark Star Trek no it was a nice reminder of like no this is still here but then they brought it back to the Picardness of it with that standoff at the end which I was not anticipating when mm-hmm. Seven of Nine goes back to kind of take care of this woman because yeah, yeah. it was funny. That was great. I'm glad she did it. Like I, oh, it, because it's very in character for Seven of Nine, and I think it's a rebellion against. I think it's a rebellion. Like so much of Seven of Nine's character development history in Voyager is doing what she's told and mm-hmm. doing what Janeway tells her to do, and like 
Janeway trying to like basically be like this is my morality so it needs to be your morality and and that's not a super that's not a huge criticism of Janeway I'm not saying I don't like her I I think I I really enjoy Voyager but it's just that dynamic can sometimes be very moralizing and in not a great way Mm -hmm. and I think this is kind of a reaction to that this is like no I'm gonna Seven had both the like uh, incredible choice like having the choice like coming into like just basically awakening as an adult and having the ability to choose what you're going to care about and mm-hmm. choose what is going to matter to you and not having like almost like having that being a blank slate is an incredible that's a incredible gift but it's also a huge burden right. like developing that as an adult is a huge burden and it's so interesting that she kind of pick and chose from what she learned on Voyager that I'm going to help people. Like, this is a thing I'm going to do. I'm going to help people who can't help themselves, but I'm going to do it my own way. Yeah. I like e- that. Even with, like, that that makes me love it all the more, you know? But I also really appreciated the context of, like, Picard being out in 2020 and showing that, like, this is a bad person. Yeah. This is a bad person who has done evil and vile things. And, like doesn't need any sort of like I'm I'm trying to figure out how to say it because when Picard says like revenge or vengeance isn't the thing like to me it wasn't even about vengeance like I know it it was written in that way sort of but it was about like she was she was being judge jury and executioner right which fair and but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing exactly like in this moment like in fiction I appreciate being like this is a bad, horrible person doing horrible things who would continue and to do I'm horrible just things. To do, and I'm going to handle it. Yeah. Um, and, like, I think also one of the bigger narratives of Picard, the show, is um, not Picard the person. Picard the show is sometimes our systems fail us. The yes, systems we put exactly. trust in. And what do we do after they fail yes. us? Yes. And, and that's, this is, I think this is what that, this, I think this is what it's about. Like, yes, Jean-Luc, you can say all you want about, like, principle and... But that's not who Seven, like, and that's not who Seven is, is the thing. She has decided who she is, and she is this person mm-hmm. who takes it upon herself to be judged. Or, like, that is if the, the role she's chosen you, for herself. What do you and do to stop failed. harm? Yeah. And I think I, I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and now I want a Seven as a Federus Ranger spinoff. Because it would be so good. Right. Um, yeah, and I think, I, I think that, I think that it is very timely. I am sometimes shocked how timely the show is um, in a good way um, because they're addressing things that we need to address and Star Trek has always confronted the problems in our society, society that we see and need to address, but never I think in such a straightforward way. You know what I mean? It's always a little bit behind a mask. There's always like, this isn't. This is is up front. this is up front. Not, I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. Like, I think this is a good show. It's a good venue. It's good that people ta- are talking about these things. Um, yeah, I was really heartbroken by that episode. Like, I forgot to warn Preeti because it was... Um, oh, so graphic. Yeah, it was... I, like, and I, I, I tweeted about it um, for people that, uh, like, I was like, yeah, if you watch this show with your kids... Screen the first five minutes of the episode before you um, watch it with them because it is very graphic and very violent. Uh, people have gone back and forth on um, whether it was unnecessary, whether it was. And I think, honestly, if they hadn't shown that, I think people would have judged Seven a lot more harshly for her yes, action. We had to see it. I think I think to understand where Seven is coming from and just what Ichab went through. And anyone who's watched Voyager, like, I was like, Ichab, like, this is like. We knew this kid. We saw him grow, uh, like, come assimilated, like, like de-assimilated from the Borg and, like, form. Like, we know this kid. Like, we know him. And he's not a kid anymore in the series, obviously. Like, in the, but, like, and so that, like, hit home all the harder. Like, I think it, I think it was necessary. You can, people can disagree. But I, seeing the, like, just the devastation of what was done to him made it be like, yeah, she can die. <laughs> it's true though like there is you know it, I, I agree I feel like it was very necessary to force us to see the pain caused yeah. because otherwise it it does then without seeing it it's hard to imagine it 
And like, um, let's talk about the relationship between Seven and Bejazel because I, they were hinting at an intimate relationship. I'm they were. Sure. And I think there's two things about it. First, A, I think they were, especially because I recapped the show on StarTrek.com and that line about me being like, I think they're hinting at an intimate relationship. I said that in my recap and yes. it wasn't edited out. So I think that was the intention. And I wonder if they didn't want the only gay relationship on the show to be a violent one. And that's why they left it at subtext. Maybe. Because I don't know. I don't know. As far as we know so far, and correct me if I'm wrong, there are no other identifiably LGBTQ characters on this show. At least not enough to be nothing that we has been explicit. Exactly. So like it's quite possible that you know whoever. But like it's just this would be the first gay representation on the show. I think which on the show, yeah. uh... (laughs) That's actually a good. I feel like it's a good question, and I don't that I don't have a good answer to. I mean, obviously the answer is have more gay characters. Exactly. If. That's if this is the only relationship on the show, is it better to be explicit about it and then have that criticism? Because I think one of the things Discovery got slammed for um, is having a a very healthy, very sweet gay relationship and then killing off one of the characters. Yeah, burying your gays. Yeah, and then they brought back the character and have since introduced other gay characters. And so it's not as much of an issue now, but it's something I think that because they went through so many writers, I don't know that it was originally intended to bring him back, and then they realized what the backlash would be, and they they pre they like they anticipated the backlash because Wilson Cruz was out there as soon as the episode airs doing interviews that was like this character is coming back, this is not the end of the story. Right. But stuff had probably already been filmed by the time they decided to, and so they couldn't change that storyline. I don't know. I don't know what there is a story there. I don't know it. But um, maybe they were, like, you know, they didn't want to... I would. I don't know. It's a, it's a hard question to... Have. I think the basic... The end of it is more, period, right? Yes. That's what it comes down to. Like, they I don't... Like, yeah. there are no... You don't get cookies for implied representation that ends violently. Yes, I agree. So just more healthy where they don't where no one dies and yeah. and we get to see people live and be happy. Or if you later bring back Seven in the cuz I think she'll come back. She gave him the calling card or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here again. If she comes it's like, "Hey, here's my girlfriend." You know what exactly. I Exactly. Like we need then to see yeah. more of it. Um we haven't spent a lot of time on Rafi, who is a character that I am kind of conflicted about and confused by in terms of like I they gave us more of her backstory. They give us these like kind of pieces of her backstory yeah. in every episode. But I don't know that they're doing enough actual movement forward on the character. I think the last episode was supposed to be kind of like where she kind of sits down with her kid. Yes. She sits down with her oh, kid. With and yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind yes. of like I think I'm hoping that's a processing of her trauma. Yeah, I just, we're six episodes in, you know, and everyone else has enough to do and has enough going on that I feel good about those characters. But Rafi, I'm just like... She's not moving. She's not moving, and she's she seems to be there primarily to be the fixer. Like, I'll get you the, the passes you need. I'll get you a pilot. I'll figure out how we need... To. So I, I need her to be a more active participant yeah, I, story. I agree. Um, I think as the primary, also as the primary black representation exactly. on the show, I would like her to... Uh, addiction is a difficult thing, but yes. I would like her to be more than the addict. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. Agreed. Right like, now, I think it's a very difficult thing, and I think it's a thing she needs to process and work through, and she's gonna relapse, and she's gonna... And that is fine, and I'm happy to see it on screen but I need more than a story of pain she needs to be a part like right now she's not an active participant in the big story in the way that basically everyone else is 
So I need Arguably more. Rios is not, but he's designed that way. He's, but I even think he is, right? Like, he participated in getting Maddox back in a very meaningful way. Yeah. Right? Like, so far... Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. And, like, he... That, that, that... Yeah. And, like, his E... Whatever, his EMH or whatever they call it, that uh, Alison Pell's character keeps making go away. Like, there's there's enough there that he is involved in major plot points... Yeah. in a way that isn't so passive. So I just, like, I think Rafi has the potential for that, but they haven't yet written her in that way, and I'm really hoping that they do for the last arc of the season, because we only have three episodes left. And one thing I do appreciate about the character is that she's written so competently. Like, yes. in terms of she's a very competent woman. Like, yes, if I need something I done, I would go to her. And... But I need, like I, like we have said, I need more than a story of pain for her. Yeah, and it's it's pain. nice that we get to see how, like, you can see why Picard trusts her. Like, it doesn't feel like, why would Picard trust this woman who's so, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you see her competency and who she was, which I appreciate. Like, you can see how she became the person she is without delving into that, like, anxiety and pain too much. And you can see, like... But I need her, yeah, we want to see her move forward. Exactly. Because we've, like, again, spent six episodes with this character, so I just want to make, I I want to see more from her because I think she has, because of the backstory they've given her and because of the competency she's been able to show as a character, I think she has a lot more to give in terms of the actual plot. So. And, 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 so, like, uh, I just remembered the sequence where, Soji fi- figures out everything is only 37 months old. Yeah. I was going to, my next thing was going to be like, okay, so Soji is now activated. Still doesn't know what she is, but her abilities have activated. Or she knows what she, she knows, she doesn't precisely know what she is, but she knows she's not what she appears to be. And because I don't think he just said you're not real. Yeah, he said you're, not you're real. a synth or you're an android. Um, and so her abilities have activated. She's with Picard. Um, they've transported up to 40,000 light years away, which that transporter, if you are interested, the Sicarians were introduced in the Star Trek Voyager first episode, <laughs> first season <laughs> episode called Prime Factors. If you want to know where that technology comes from, I, <laughs> they're very good at putting in these like really random Easter eggs. And it's like, oh, um, <laughs> but, uh, they, um, uh, I think they, I, I'm, my guess is, I haven't seen, I think there's a preview for next week's episode now, but my guess is, where else are they going to go? If he has to think about, off the top of his head, a safe place to go, he's going to go to, he's going to go to Will Riker. Like, he's going, so I'm pretty sure, like, that's where, they, like, just like he has two seconds to think of a safe place to go when someone he knows will protect him and give him safe harbor, like, it's going to be, oh, I'm like, so excited. it's going to be, like, <laughs> the Troys. Uh, like it is and so i'm pretty sure that's where they're going and i'm excited i'm excited for this episode because i think it's going to be the reunion i think it's going to be them all processing who and what soji is and kind of Mm. figuring out where to go from here i'm so i have so much anxiety for all the characters right now who are sort of like in in stasis because we don't know what their fates are like when so that room that Soji was in, that Narek leaves her in with that weird red yeah, gas room. or whatever, uh, was being filmed because we watched his sister watch it. And so she's <laughs> going to see that he let her get away. Yeah. So I'm wondering how that's going to work. Well, I don't think he let her get away because they could have opened the door because I'm pretty sure that red gas is the same thing that disintegrated Dodge. Oh, I thought he but, was like, no, let it, let her go. Like, I think he... Like, that's how I read that scene. I read it as like, I read it as like, I, we can't open the door, so there's like nothing we can do. Oh, I very much read it as him being like, well, she did it on her own, so let her, fine, let her go. <laughs> it's, it's the I think romantic it's probably, in me. I guess it's probably both. I'm pretty sure they couldn't <laughs> open that door. And I don't think he really wanted to kill her, so <laughs> she escaped herself. So but, like, um, there's that, there's Eleanor who's like, has to live or I will riot. There's the... I feel like Elnor's story isn't done, Narek's story isn't done, and they're both in the same place. So they will connect. So 
Uh, maybe Hugh will leave, he lead a rebellion of the, the you know, the XVs. Like, <laughs> I think there's a lot still to come. Oh, I'm excited. There's a lot of story to tell. And I'd be nervous about them wrapping it up, except they've done a good job moving us so fast. Yeah. Well, it's that- already been, has it been, um, is there going to be a second season? Yeah. So but we- I. Yeah, I think it's going to be season-long arcs, though, so I think this one will wrap up, and then we'll God, get I hope so. Story. I like that. Like, mm-hmm. that I think feels so. very Star Trek. Yeah, and um, it was only, a very, I believe it was envisioned as a one-season thing. So I would be really surprised if we didn't get resolution. Oh, that that makes me feel really happy. And I think it's going to be a different, different uh, story next season. Oh, that's exciting. Ooh. All right. Well, more to come. We'll we'll be yes. back when when the season finale, I guess. Yeah, sometimes we're, we just finished episode six, right? Yeah, so there's so. episodes left. Yeah, it seems like we'll probably do the season finale and then a Clone Wars update because hopefully by then Ahsoka will have showed up. Fingers crossed. Um, all right. So that that's kind of we we did we did good. We did yeah, good. we did good. Uh, so what we love. Um, I'm still playing Witcher three. I just bought, I texted Preeti, I, it was, Witcher 3 was on sale again, so I bought it finally. It's 100% worth it. I, I spent $15 on this game. That's I, what I spent. I was like, okay, this is, from what Preeti's text, from Preeti's, like, comments, this is worth $15. It's worth $15. It's, I've been playing it since January. I have finished one of the DLCs, and I haven't finished the main quest or the other DLC yet, and I'm only, like, 40% into the game. It is wild how much content there is. That's I great. can't get over how well written like how well fleshed out everything is and like obviously not perfect but it's still so fun and smart and funny uh and then also the gorillas dropped a new video yesterday because they have a new album coming out called song machine this year and i i don't know if i've talked about my love of damon albarn on this show before but i because i was like the gorillas like really like i will listen to anything damon albarn creates i have obsessed with blur obsessed with gorillas i've seen both bands play live like gorillas is the same guy who did blur yeah damon albarn (laughs) he is a musical genius i mean clearly he's a guy i mean but that's about all i know he's he is a musical genius the gorillas create these like so i saw them play live in 2018 my biggest regret is when i moved to new york in 2007 the gorillas came to Madison Square Gardens, and tickets were. T- I was like an editorial assistant. I didn't have any money, and I, so I couldn't afford to see them. And then they didn't come back to New York for like a decade, and so I saw them play in twenty. I was gonna say, you did, but you did saw them this. I did, and yeah, it was one of the most. It was one of the best shows I've ever been to. So, and I saw Blur when they played in New York after all these stupid bots bought all the whatever. Anyways, I'm still mad about how easy it is to scalp and buy tickets in bulk because of bots. Uh, but yeah, so they're releasing these videos, which are all part of, like, kind of one narrative sequence, it seems like, right now. But they're super kind of esoteric and weird and funny. And the newest one dropped on Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday, called Desole. And it's so good. And just look up the Song Machine videos on oh. YouTube. They're so good. I love them so much. David Albert, I love you. <laughs> Listen to our podcast. Listen to Rate our podcast. Rate us on iTunes. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have. <laughs> okay, so I don't remember what I put. Oh, okay, so um, I am have started a new show. It starts, it airs on Hulu. It's like the Hulu on FX thing. It starts like next week, I believe, the first episode drops. It's called Devs. And I feel like people have been talking about it a lot. It's basically about this young woman who gets a job at a tech company um, where she that she believes is kind of like responsible for the murder of her, uh, I think it's her boyfriend, um, um, fiance maybe. But uh, yes, so this I'm I'm just like I've just like started the first episode, but I'm already like ooh that premise and the, and the reason I am like recommending a thing I love where I'm just starting the first episode is really the thing I love is, like, prepping for coronavirus. Oh, <laughs> like, God. Like, like, consuming my thoughts. Like, just, like, what do I do if my child's daycare is closed for a month? What, you know, like, what am I? So I'm, like, I have been very bad at, like, 
entertaining myself lately. But this new show, I'm actually covering it for the AV Club, so I'll be recapping it there every week. It's uh, um, it's Alex Garland, right? I think. Yes, and yeah, I he'd, freaking he'd, he'd love Alex Garland. All the episodes, and like I'm so, I'm just like super excited for the show, which is like why I'm recommending it, something I've seen like half an episode of. But it's it's so far it's really promising. It's eight episodes. It seems like a self-contained show. And um, it's like, it airs week to week, which is like really important to me these days. When I was talking to the editor at the AV Club about what I want to cover, I was like, nothing Netflix, because I can't handle the release model. It's too intense. I, it's too much. Like, especially as somebody who's trying to cover the stuff and like talk about it intelligently. Um, and so, yeah, and it's like with my tech background and stuff and my experience with like tech company, like I'm really freaking excited about this show, so. Can I tell you a story about 15-year-old Prithi and watching the beach for the first time? Oh, my God. And how Leonardo DiCaprio inspired my love of Alex Garland from when I was, like, 16 years old. Oh. <laughs> He's, I just remember I bought the book, which was, like, the movie cover, so it had, like, the beach poster on the front, but then you turn it over, and it's this beautiful handsome man on the back who was like he must have been like 25 at the time or something and I was just like how are you so good at this and so good at writing and so handsome and it's unfair and then he just kept going yeah no I'm really excited about this I'm really I think it'll be really good and a lot of people have already been like buzzing about it so like you know like the way people buzz so it's like it's just I'd heard a lot about it and then I got the opportunity to cover it and I was like oh hell yes I am here for this and like I love a good mystery so I am just I am all in so I'm very excited uh so I guess that kind of wraps us up for the episode um we are a part of the Hard Knock Life podcast network you can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com Today we want to shout out one of our faves, the Middle Geeks, who had a wonderful episode all about Zari from Legends of Tomorrow, dropped just a few days ago. Um, and we do have a Patreon, and thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Meredith Smith at the $12 level, and Charmin, Jordan Summerine, Brandy Gayathri, Jerome, Claire, Brian, Robert, Sylvia, Chris, and Priya at the $5 level. We are very excited and grateful, and if you are... And if you have been with us since we relaunched our Patreon tiers at the beginning of the year, you should be getting sticker in the mail next month because uh, our that's how our rewards work. So if you want your own Daisy Geek Girls sticker, which they are very cool looking and very cute, um, you will you too can su- support us on Patreon and get one after your third in your third month of support. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. I'm at S Krishna and I am at Run with Skizzers. And until next time, we'll see you in hell. Hell! hell! <laughs> <laughs> or the coronavirus. No!